That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. All right. You know we talk a lot about iron on this podcast. It comes up with almost every guest. Which makes sense. It's the world's most common nutrient deficiency after all. So we were really excited when Farah Pro reached out to sponsor TNP in recognition of us championing the importance of iron deficiency. Well, let's get right to the point. Iron deficiency is often inappropriately assessed or diagnosed and is very often inadequately treated. Which means it will leave you or your patients feeling tired and literally pulling their hair out if it doesn't fall out first. And often the dose just isn't enough. We have typically only had a lower dose 30 milligram iron supplement available for our dispensaries. So we've been having to send patients to the pharmacy for higher dose products that may be hard on the gut or have a lot of binders, artificial colors and fillers. But thankfully, Ferropro has been solving this problem for over 20 years with their lineup of intelligent and clean pharmacist formulated iron products. I love that the Ferropro lineup includes a 30 milligram, 75 milligram and their high dose 150 milligram iron per cap so that you can have the right dose right there when your patient needs it. If you think your patients would benefit from Ferapro, send an email to info at Thanks for listening. And now on to the show. All right. Welcome back to another episode of that naturopathic podcast. I'm Dr. Kara. And I'm Dr. Dave. And today we are super stoked to have Dr. Michelle Paris with us. I have a wild girl crush on Dr. Michelle, um, a good friend of ours and uh, all around wild, awesome, smart, passionate uh, chick. See, I have a girl crush. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and She's got we're, star power too. Yeah. Now. We're Our just classmate. so excited and a smile. Like I wish you could see her smile right now. So we are going to have an awesome conversation today about um, community and connection in medicine and in the time of COVID. So Dr. Michelle, welcome. Oh, thanks. I'm going to hang out here more often. I like it here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you can hang out here anytime. <laughs> So where should we get started? We, we thought, we know community and connections, your jam, you're so passionate about it. And um, just to tell our audience a little bit about you. So um, you do have a clinic in Oakville called the Poppy Clinic. And where you're really pushing your latest endeavor is uh, with the Wild Collective. Could you just mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So it's been a long journey into really finding, I think, my place where I'm best serving our community at large. And so, you know, I have been a naturopathic doctor, I think we can say like going into our 12th year, right? It's pretty 
crazy. Scary, so yeah. I know it's happened, it happened way too fast. <laughs> but uh, about seven years into clinical practice, I was ready to go on my own and open up my own clinical practice. And around the same time, I was inundated with all of this research uh, around social isolation and loneliness. And it was just, uh, it was just like this perfect storm of like needing more my noticing my patients needing more as well and having a genuine love for for group based programming um and then also like my own story into how i got to be so passionate about it but really being someone who struggled with belonging and connection for a good part of my life i think i had a different lens at which i wanted to ensure that people had access to really meaningful connections. So when we opened the Poppy Clinic, I was very intentional about the space that we found because I truly did want to be able to have some kind of community gathering, which at the time felt really audacious. And I mean, it was met with a lot of resistance when I was telling people my idea. I want, you know, a closed group program. I want it to run for 10 months. I want 20 women involved per time. It was like, good luck with that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I was just really amazed by the fact that, you know, I think the medicine we provide is so incredible. I, I think, I love that we provide individualized medicine and, you know, are really focused on root cause. And when I was seeing, you know, that social isolation was the leading all cause mortality. And yet I was hardly scratching the surface about social connection with my patients and then not having, uh, resources to refer them to. I just felt like, you know, this was a huge gap in my medical practice. And I I really could tell that certain women that I was working with in a one-on-one model, they had outgrown the need to come as frequently, but you could tell that they just, they wanted to continue that relationship or they wanted to be able to really dive a little bit deeper into what they were working on. And I think, for me, the missing piece in healthcare is the support needed to transform in your health. And so, you know, the, the very first launch of the Wild Collective, and it is that we talk about, you know, foundational medicine and the benefit to practitioners is that, you know, all the things that we spend uh, many hours a day repeating ourselves about, we, we put into a foundational program, hydration, digestion, hormone, uh, like an understanding of your uh, like cyclical rhythm of your hormones, all of that stuff is in there. Uh, And the benefit to my patients was that they were actually getting the foundational information that they needed to transform, but they also had the time and the um, access to like-minded individuals who want to transform in their health. And so, you know, when you have all of those pieces together, really it becomes an unstoppable equation. Like there is just, patients are way more successful. And when I observed that, you know, the first time we did this, I was like, they were just a bunch of unicorns. These health transformations are not reproducible. Like, I don't know if we'll be able to do that again. And time after time, we were able to demonstrate and show that when patients had access to support and they had access to um, a foundational program, because I think a frustration of ours too, is that we have all this incredible information that we've been 
educated on and we want our patients to know all of it, but it is hard to deliver in a 30-minute time slot. Even 90 minutes is a bit audacious, right? So, you know, now we had the breadth of time of actually empowering our patients with the information that we truly know that they need to take action in their own health. And it helps it with adherence. Like, oh, now I know why you're asking me to do all these things. This makes sense, right? So it actually helps make that, you know, health transformation a lot more logical and realistic for the patient. So I am rather obsessed about this, the subject because the more and more I am involved in community health initiatives and, um, and the more I witness the reproducible results of patients being involved in this type of a model of healthcare, I just, I can't, it's like an increase in awareness. You can't unsee it. And it's just, I think, I think the masses need to know about it and they need to know how to access um, community in order to elevate their health. Honestly, Michelle, I, I think, well, anyone listening first can just hear your conviction and passion behind <laughs> your voice. That is not, that is not hard. And I can just see why it's spread like wildfire. Uh, fire. I mean, mostly because of you, um, like as, you know, stoking that flame, but I mean, you have over 24 sites uh, now. And I was just thinking as you were explaining that you've actually like tapped into like our DNA, like you've tapped into what women, how women are supposed to experience and learn and thrive, right? Like historically, we have always had these groups to learn from our sisters and our, our, our friends and other women. And I don't think that's, as you said, that's no, um, that's no, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's not a, a fluke that you're seeing this change as these women are being brought together. Yeah, I think it has, it, I say it has this visceral response for women because I think we know the brain is actually wired for connection, but I think deep down we know that this is how we were designed to thrive. And, you know, we live in a model, we exist in a society that celebrates that we can do all the things and we don't need to ask for help. And so we've, we've isolated ourselves to the extreme and now we're afraid to access what comes very natural to us and actually how we were designed to function um, well, right? So it's, I, I think you're right. It, I think this is really just tapping into innate wisdom for women. This is historically how we um, learned. And I'm learning the value of even the simplicity of, like when I say community is medicine, and really what I, I mean by is when women are together and collaborating and storytelling, there's so much healing that happens, whether you're the one sharing your story or that you're re the recipient of hearing the story, right? One is that you're normalizing the human experience, right? Sometimes we go in our health journey in isolation and we think they're the only person going through this. And it is so helpful in, in so many ways, like our nervous system calms down, our, our brain is receptive to like hearing, like there are so, uh, we, can, we can leave our fight or flight state, we can move into rest and digest and actually be receptive to transformation and change when we actually hear we're not alone. And it's amazing for me to see how quickly we can help individuals transform trauma through storytelling. And so there are so many like little pieces of like different types of medicine that I value now because 
any, everyone has access to that. Like literally anyone can learn the benefits of this and take this and implement it in their own life and, and see radical shifts, not only in themselves, but in their community. And the fact that habits are contagious, this comes quite naturally to us to, to, um, be able to transform in this way, we know that when we, we hang out with people with healthier habits or people who are happier, we are innately happier. And so I think we're always looking for a solution outside of ourselves when really if we participated and, and engaged in, in group um, in any capacity where it's health or we actually prioritize connection, you know, the world would be a very different place. We've talked about connection as a part of like a little basic framework that me and Kara sort of talked about, which is like this nourish, move, relax, and X. And X was anything to do with connection, growth. Uh, what else did we say? Connection, spirit, growth, spirit, joy, meaning, pleasure. purpose, all that sort of stuff. Sort of like a, a sterile version of spirituality in a way. But connection was uh, was a big part of that. And, and some of that maybe just comes from the fact that we're primates. And any primate on its own, in, it, it can't. You, there's no primates that exist on their own. And we, we are primates. Now you're talking about the women's side of things, but just even, even more basic, like you don't, if like some animals can live on their own, but primates brains are completely wired for living in a group and, and working together. And we're screwed in the, in the, um, in the isolation. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not surprising, I guess that what's surprising Michelle is how long it took for us to maybe uh, get onto this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I, it's, it, yeah. How did we get so pulled away from what comes natural? Cause you're so right. When I started to like look into the science of that, our brain interprets being alone at the same as being attacked by a saber toothed tiger, right? Like, or whatever, a real tiger, if they weren't real, but like it, it is the same stress response, right? So how did we get so pulled away from something that comes so natural? I, I yeah. And, and it was met with much resistance. Like it wasn't an easy task to take this on in the beginning. Like I was begging people to like, just give this a try. I was, you know, talking to colleagues that were like, I mean, I'm going to watch you from the sideline. That sounds great. But who's signing up for that? Like, I know I've tried to sell group detoxes. Like I've tried to do things. I knew the difficulty. So it's like, it is so interesting to see that we are so far removed, something that is so natural to our brain in terms of feeling safe. So yeah, I don't, I don't know why it took us this long. But then you're, you know, when you're running into that resistance there, you're also talking about something that's relevant maybe for COVID talk. Are we going to talk about COVID already? Yeah, let's get there. (laughs) Well, anyways, you're doing something against the convention right? And, and primates, to keep the group happy, we like to like sort of do what everyone's doing, right? Like yes. it's, it's a danger in a way That's right. to like do something different. <laughs> like it's crazy. What are you talking about group mess? <laughs> Although You're- I do think many of us naturopaths have a little bit of shit disturber um, trouble. I think I said to you once in a message, Michelle, that I love you because when I hear your messages or when you send me a message, it's like calm with like an undertone of like (laughs) trouble, like a glint in your eye. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I do think lots of naturopaths have a little bit of that glint. So I'm glad that you listened to that and went for it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, there are some things that truly feel like a calling and you're like, why, like how, how does this happen? Right. Even the way the whole program is laid out. If I look back on it, I'm like, how did I know to put it in this exact sequence in which it actually is, allows us for us to go deeper every, I I just like, yeah, 
It feels like a calling. It really does feel like there's lineage involved. Like I was literally just executing on something I was just destined to do because you um, you are, and you can't, you can't say no to that. You have no choice. No, you have no choice. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to hear um, how this evolved when COVID was declared (laughs) (laughs) and you had a in-person group program and, you know, 30 women sitting in close proximity, you know, sharing a hummus tray. What happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like sitting, months. sitting centimeters from each other. Cause we would just like jam that space with chairs because it, it really just took off that year. Like we were f- a full house. So, yeah. uh, those we, I mean, we obviously made a very fast pivot. I was always hoping to take the wild collective online, but I had no intentions of doing it that fast. So, uh, and we were at that point working on a like cross Canada, us launch. It was our first us launch. Like, I mean, it was, it was stressful in our clinic alone. We had, yeah, we had close to 30 women that were participating in, in an in-person experience. And we, took them online and we did whatever we could to show up for these women because uh, a lot of them were like everybody dealing with the fear of uncertainty and, and, and the anxiety of, of everything that was coming up for them. So we were even like giving them extra sessions to hang out and connect to make sure that in a time of um, physical distancing, we were, we were doing what we could for our community to make sure that they felt supported and cared for during that time because uh, I mean, I think everybody felt that and they grieved, they grieved deeply the fact that they are, weren't together in person and that they had to, f- to complete their program virtually. And um, because of the connection, like our, our foundation is really on making sure that these individuals leave more deeply connected to each other than when they started. So that's a huge piece of how we provide our group programming. But so they usually often graduate into an alumni program so they can stay together. And there was still even some resistance there. Like, are we going to be back in person for this? Right. So I I think when you experience belongingness and connection in person, that, that is hard to replicate. That is really hard to, um, navigate through but I think we've done a tremendous job under the circumstances to ensure that we are creating a very similar community experience so we took our group online everyone in our clinic there were 103 women um, at the time of COVID enrolled in wild collectives at our clinic alone and they all except for three maintained their memberships because they saw a huge uh, they saw huge value into being a part of, of that community in, in a very difficult time. So I know that that really was reflective of the type of um, connection that we can provide. And, it, and it's a different form of medicine, right? Everyone, I'm sure you guys know too, like our schedules dropped off to mine under 30%, which I hadn't seen since probably beginning of practice, right? Like it was, I mean, people were sorting through stuff. So being able to have community that they could access, I think was a huge value because um, it didn't seem people were going to go get care in a one-on-one mm-hmm. capacity in, in, uh, in the beginning, right? So uh, yeah, we've just adopted, we adapted our model and we do everything on Zoom and, and it's amazing. We're able to, with all of the capacity of Zoom, we're, we're able to host the exact same circle. So it is amazing that 
and relevant to say, because I think as we go further into this and as we, you know, discuss, you know, going back and, you know, more physical distancing, we need to make sure that people are having access to other humans at whatever capacity that we can do because um, mental health, you know, is on the rise, like impacts and negative effects of mental health are on the rise. Uh, Suicide is on the rise, you know, alcohol consumption is on the rise, Mm -hmm. you know, insomnia, you know, so we need to ensure that there is some way that we can help support people. So we did what we could to adopt our model. And I think we do a good job. I I think uh, if people start off virtual, they're really happy with the model. But if you started in person, then there is like, there is a legitimate grieving. I, I, I feel like you're being very intentional to say physical distancing. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I am. I picked up on that because, because really the term social distancing is like the antithesis of everything you are trying to build. It makes my heart sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I very early on, I thought that was a very interesting choice of words. Mm -hmm. Because really it is physical distancing. It's not social distancing. Uh, We want to promote social connection. As we can see, if it's the leading all-cause mortality, then Mm -hmm. social really shouldn't be included in, in, in that terminology because there are ways we can provide social connection and meaningful connection and still physically distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being more precise with that term is. is Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. do you remember in the beginning, and this was really unsettling to me, like going into the grocery store and people not making eye contact. Like it was a really scary place. Like I had debilitating mm-hmm. anxiety. I had to listen to music to stay calm to, to get groceries for my family. Cause I was like so unsettled by the fact that people were afraid to look at each other. And I was like, mm-hmm. and because I'm so obsessive about the idea of connection, I was like literally thinking like, how is this, what are going to be the long-term impacts of this? Like actually being scared of your neighbor and yeah. you know, that, that was really unsettling to me. It's nice to see that we've kind of come around that and I don't experience that anymore. That isn't the same concern for me, but yeah, I mean, that is, that was a legitimate tough time and, and something I was, yeah, deeply worried for people because I can't unsee this. I remember standing in line at winners and I had my, no, I didn't have my kids. I was standing in line. I was standing with my sister and she was standing. We were just chatting and we had our masks on and she, you know how they have the little line markers when you're waiting in line. And she was literally a foot over the line. Like we were just trying to fit in the aisle. And the woman in front just turned around and gave us this nasty look. And she said, you need to be behind that line. And I just, I just remember my heart dropping thinking she thinks I'm a weapon. Like she literally is so scared of me that she, she, you know, it wasn't a judgment, but I'm like, we have kind of turned each other into threats. And that's a problem. Yeah. It's just Especially, something. Sorry. It's, it's like, um, it's your timing for this again is, is really, really good. And, um, especially cause the disease of our culture right now is disconnection. Like that mm-hmm. is what's, that is what's going on. I don't know if anyone else has read that the coronation by Charles Eisenstein is a great essay on basically like he's an environmentalist, mathematician, philosopher. He's like way too smart, but um, he's like, disconnection is like the big disease that's going on. And uh, this isn't this, everything's more disconnected. So, I mean, doing whatever you can to connect people is it could not be more, it could not be a better time uh, 
than now for, uh, for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for saying that. And I totally agree. It's just interesting because we just had our last, like our fall launch in a virtual space and found like it was incredibly difficult to get people to want to show up. People are zoomed out. Right. So there's like this new concern if they're on their screens all day for work or meetings or whatever they're doing. Now, how are we going to get them to show up for the connection that's actually meaningful, that is actually going to increase their longevity, support their cognitive function, help their heart health, help, you know, like, so it's going to be, I mean, that's why I'm so grateful for conversations like this, because unless you hear it, you we're not being told this information, right? It's not easily accessible. So, and then there's like the fear of, of connection, right? So it's, uh, it is timely and we have to get really loud about it because we need, people need to know that they need to prioritize this in order to have good health and in order to, you know, truly feel happy in a, in a meaningful way. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting time. So Zoom is great. Like online is great. I don't know. We've, Kara does a lot of, like she does like almost all virtuals and we've talked about how sometimes it's more tiring in a way to do virtual. Like there's something mm-hmm. more tiring. I'm drained by the end of my yeah. day. Yeah. So there's that. But, and, but I mean, also we have to do the best we can do given the circumstances. I always mm-hmm. I understand that. But I saw, have you, have you, um, how do you weave in like the, the research or what you know on touch? Because that's one thing that we, I mean, that's not physical distancing, obviously that's, and it's still important. Like I remember in my first year or two of practice reading this, these studies, like people holding hands, their blood pressure goes down. You hug a tree and your blood pressure goes down. Like some really interesting things about touch. Do you have anything, do you have anything to say on like touch and that type of connection? Or is it just sort of, is it all woven in together or, or what? No, I I would say we probably don't do a good enough job discussing the, the power of touch really. And like, I will now, thank you. But, um, I, you know, that was a real concern in the beginning. A, a good number of our members lived alone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right? Because if you have access to family members, I mean, you can still very much engage in physical touch, which I think yeah. is absolutely essential. And like that, I mean, I enjoy virtual practice very much, but that is the one thing is like, you know, really being able to like physically check in on your patient and like mm-hmm. say hi to them, embrace them, like make sure that they felt like someone's caring for them in that way. I, I-, I just... Yeah, no, I, 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 we, we need better resources for that and have conversations about that, prioritizing it, because I think the research is pretty phenomenal there. Even, yeah, with hugs, I, I just, I love, I love that. And I know that, you know, I can sense a difference with my kids when, when we prioritize that stuff and, and make time for it. But those who don't have access to that, I am certainly very concerned about but it's nice. Maybe they can go hug trees, Dave. That's what we should tell them. <laughs> trees don't have COVID, do they? <laughs> trees don't have COVID. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're good for a while. <laughs> I, think, I think we should recommend that. Yeah. Wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so um, I'm just wondering, like, have you ran, um, have you been in touch with the, the women in your programs yet, or they're not, you haven't started this kind of session yet. I'm just wondering if you have feedback, you know, as we're about six months into this pandemic, eight months, 
I don't know, time warp, Around many there. too many months um, with likely more months to go. Um, if you're just getting feedback from people of, you know, what, what they're starting to feel, you know, after this amount of time of physical distancing and the changes that we've had to um, do. I mean, I, we did check in with people in terms of how they were doing and um, you're met with a range of responses, but I'll say that, you know, the women who had graduated, like started off in person and then like moved into um, the virtual model for alumni, um, there has been a lot of, you know, um, mental health concerns for sure. Like a, a lot more conversation and, and, supporting them through this process because like the longer that they're they're away from their community and they finally found like really deep meaningful connection I I think you know they're grieving that tremendously Mm -hmm. so um I know I know we fill an important void and I know people will express even in the virtual model that they feel more meaningful connection because we have conversations that you're not typically having because we have not been taught to talk about maybe unconventional subjects or like really truly check in with people. Right. So, you know, um, I think when you have a taste of that and then you're away from it, it's, it's really difficult. So yeah, I I would say some people who have more connection in their day-to-day life maybe aren't feeling the same kind of impact, but a a good part of our population like lives alone. So you you are seeing significant impairment when it pertains to mental health, like increased anxiety levels, increased depression. And um, you have, you have to hold space for that. that. That is a lot. That is a lot. You know what else I found difficult to think about too was the people who didn't have a lot of connections going in. So maybe for us, like I find, I, I found it was okay because I can't really make too many new connections, but I could like maintain to some degree the connections I had. But if you were coming into this, say you just moved into it, whatever your life story is, you didn't have too much. And you, this has been a bad time to make new connections. It's it's more, you can harvest from like social uh Currency. currency that you've had with people in the past. Like, remember that time we did this or, but it's not a, it's not a great time to make new memories. <laughs> so that's who I felt worse for is people who hadn't, they couldn't really leverage previous connection. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and if they don't know things like this exists, like, where do you find? Where do you start? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think I am for sure concerned about that because it did actually in COVID force us to like, I got in calls weekly with some of the girls we graduated with, right? Mm -hmm. Like we started to prioritize different ways in which we were connecting that was unique because if you had physical connect connecting in your neighborhood, you, you weren't like prioritizing seeing old friends. So you're right. Like there was that way of filling your cup when you had people to draw from like a community to draw from but individuals that may not have that yeah like I'm grateful that we were featured in some prominent newsletters that gave us more visibility at the time of COVID so we were able to capture some of those people that are living alone um, that didn't maybe know that this was a resource but COVID happened and and they were now looking for communities to be a part of but otherwise like how how are you mm-hmm. how are you finding meaningful connection? Which I think I know for myself, 
like took basically 26 years to find, right? So for some people, it's like, it's a challenge unless you meet the right group of people to be like, oh, is this what this feels like? I, like, I remember that feeling of being like, every human needs to know what belongingness feels like because literally mm-hmm. anything is possible when you feel like you belong somewhere. So mm-hmm. if that is a struggle for people and they don't know it, where to find that, you know, um, I just want to, I want to be as visible as we can. So those people know that they, they have like a home to go to, like there's somewhere to go to feel like they belong because as we've shown time and time again, that when, when individuals are part of our community and they feel like they belong and they're safe and they're, you know, um, they're supported, like literally anything is possible. All the obstacles to cure are now something they can face with bravery. All the things that they needed to do to level up and live a life that feels meaningful to them is possible. I mean, it's like, that's what I want people to be able to have access to because I know my life literally changed and my enjoyment of life literally changed when I felt like I belonged. Well, why shouldn't they? Because these are laws of nature. Like nothing in nature is disconnected. They're like, that's, there's nothing that's not part of this big symphony. So something else, something else you said that I hadn't really thought about too, is uh, you've kind of referenced like belonging, being able to have a space to have meaningful conversations. Um, I, I can think of times in my life when I've had lots of people around me, like lots of friends, but perhaps not the space to have those conversations. So it's not necessarily Loneliness, you could still be surrounded by many people, but yeah. not have that place where you feel that safety and maybe the prompts and the permission to have more deeper conversations. I love that you bring that up and highlight that because I think that's a really important key feature is that a lot of this research is all based on subjective views of this. So how do you feel? Do you feel connected Mm -hmm. to this? Like you could be surrounded by a hundred people, but you could have one and feel deeply connected and you would get the health benefits of connection versus if you're around people all the time, but don't feel connected. I could say that I always had friends, like I was never alone, but I never felt like I belonged. So my subjective viewpoint of that is that I was lonely and isolated and I suffered from a mental health perspective because of that. So I, I, I like that you highlight that. I think that's a really important key thing to note is that it's your subjective opinion of that relationship or interactions. So what's the main sort of, um, what's the main sort of like uh, topics of, of conversation that are going on in these wild collective chats? Yeah. So uh, you wish you could get into that. <laughs> Yeah. You might want not want to know what, what 30 women we're going to talk about in a group circle. Yeah, really? it's true. What do you think? Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. <laughs> so when I started this, it was so funny because I, I, I think Karen and I are kindred spirits and like love a lot of the same things, but yes. it's when I first got introduced into this whole concept of the divine feminine and the women who run with wolves and reclaiming your wild. I was like so attracted to this like idea I didn't even know existed. Uh, and I would say it's because I hang out in my masculine energy a lot. Like I'm really like, I push myself. I don't, you know, like I'm not one to sit back and receive and, and, and like be in my feminine. Yeah. 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 I am. That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> like a hundred percent. So um, I was so curious about this like idea of, of what that energy was. And then I felt like, you know, I can talk to women about their health. So I, I really wanted to connect these two concepts. I wanted to take our physiology and, and our understanding of the human body and our cycles and our rhythms and attach that to the divine feminine or what like that energy meant, like leaning into that. And so our conversations are very much about that. It's, you know, we teach them a curriculum but we also go into what I think would be the more yin, the more feminine concepts of that health, of that health topic. So if we're doing thyroid, we'll obviously talk about thyroid health and labs and um, interpretation and options, treatment options and all of that. Uh, but then we also talk about how well do you speak your truth? And I like literally love that question because women will be like, no one's ever asked me that. I've never thought about that. I, you know, and um, just the way we, sh the way we show up, it's really intentional. Like I really believe it's a different model of medicine. It's not for everybody and it's not comfortable sometimes because I really want there to be a vulnerability from the first, from the facilitator perspective so that we're giving permission and letting other individuals know what is safe to talk about. And literally that nothing is off limits. And the only way to really do that is to show up that way yourself. Do, do you know that Tim Ferriss quote? Uh, it's one of my favorites. He says something like, uh, the quality of your life is measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations. A thousand, yeah, I'm upset. Yeah. I do actually love that quote. And um, <laughs> And so the first time, because this was really scary for me, the first time I was like, what's your favorite smoothie? <laughs> like it was so <laughs> surface level because I was afraid. Connection at that point still was yeah. unsafe for me. And now I'm like, no, we're going there. I'm going to tell you about the uncomfortable things that happened to me because I need you to know that it's safe and that when we give this voice, we take its power away and we can heal this. And so it's, you know, um, and the facilitators that do really well lean into that and they transform. It's like, it is so healing for everybody involved. This is the most beautiful symbiotic relationship in which we all get to evolve together because we've created created this safe space to enable, to facilitate that. It is, it is yeah, an obsession, but I, I agree. Like the quality of your life has everything to do with your willingness to have, ask high quality questions and be vulnerable and, and go there. Because when you do like anything is possible and you take the power over things that have like been like imprisoning in, yeah, have made you a prisoner for how many years, right? So mm -hmm. um, I, think I think that's a healing piece. When you witness other women doing that, it kind of gives you the permission to be like, well, I can do that too. And I think that's why, mm -hmm. uh, I think that's why the bravery piece is so obvious to me. And when I was talking, I was talking to another naturopath last week and it, that I think that's the resiliency piece too, is that hanging out in this space is giving them the emotional resiliency. It's giving them the permission to share the things that you didn't think you'd ever say to anyone. And we're privy to that as naturopathic doctors, right? Like a lot of people will say, I've never told anyone this. And so now we turn that into a group setting and we've made that okay because then you're neutralizing that experience. And I think that's why I've seen um, so many 
amazing transformations come from like actually moving through trauma. And I didn't anticipate that at all, but that's, I, I really, I really think community is medicine and we, sometimes we overcomplicate things when it's a lot simpler. Often I like maybe. avocado in a smoothie to answer yeah. your question. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> uh, we we want to know because it's COVID times mm-hmm. still and mm-hmm. f- for how long, I don't know. But like, what, can you give us maybe some, some tips for connecting beyond physical distancing uh, that you sort of think are really important right now to do yeah. the best we can in, in the you know restrictions that are there? Yeah. I mean, a lot of my recommendations were all pre-COVID recommendations, like go and volunteer. But like, really, I think I think if you hear the research that, you know, isolation can shorten your life by eight years, if it's as harmful as smoking 15 cigarettes per day or drinking six alcoholic beverages, I think you can't unhear that, right? It needs to become a priority. If eating healthy, if adding avocados to your smoothie is important, social connection has to also be important. So how can you prioritize that? How can you ensure that you are doing the best that you can at home if you live with individuals? Can you prioritize putting phones away and having a family dinner without disruption? Can you prioritize even like reaching out? So I've made it a goal because I got so busy in COVID life that I'm just going to send surprise text messages to people and let them know I'm thinking about them because even the benefit of expressing care to other individuals has huge health benefits for us, right? So I think, I think it's about understanding that even though we are physically distanced, that that does not equate as being socially distanced and that the, that, that is what we prioritize. So, you know, you, your eyes may legitimately be tired. So get some blue blocker glasses and get on a Zoom call at night and giggle with your friends, have a glass of wine and, and, and make sure that you're making time for that silliness and that time to actually like genuinely feel connected either at home or virtually, however you have to do it. But that has to be a high priority because when we do, it's so incredibly beneficial for our health and it is likely one of the most important things that we could be doing. So I think we just have to get over the new concern of online fatigue i call it zoom but any like any online and just prioritize connection so if it means we're physically distanced sitting outside make it a priority wear a scarf right like do what you need to do to be able that to ensure that you feel connected because i find even if i even before covid but when i would go out for dinner once a month with my girlfriends like that would fill my cup for the whole next month right it's we don't have to overcomplicate it but make mm-hmm. sure and if if it's about genuine connection maybe go look at Tim Ferriss's work or go Google like high quality questions and have like be brave enough to pick someone safe and say like, let's just go off kilter here and let's just have a really different conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that allows for that opportunity to be like, wow, I, we just had an exchange. I felt something there that I've never felt before. And I know that's what women in the wild collective experience is that they just have never experienced like, right. It's like, whoa, are we going there? And I've yet to meet a woman who doesn't want to do it. So you said something really interesting about phones and I just wanted to see uh, if you could expand on it. So, you know, there's that situation where like, especially probably younger people are on phones and not like talking at the dinner table. Is there like a, like an importance of connection difference there? Or is it like, is there a, 
you know what I mean? Like is, if someone's like, I am connecting on Snapchat or whatever with whoever, is, that, is there something to be said for not doing that, putting the phone down and just connecting with your fam? Or could you, could you talk a little bit about that? Because that's probably something day to day that people are dealing with. Yeah, you're right. And I feel like I had some research on that. Like, I think the reason why, the reason why the stats of um, 80% of the time, I believe it is in our younger population feel lonely some of the time is the fact that there is this faulty sense of connection with digital media. So I think what happens is those who have grown up with technology and different forms of connection, that it's filling a void of they're prioritizing that because that's just the way they talk, thinking that they're getting the same and yet they're experiencing more mental health concerns because they're actually not deeply connected. So there is nothing that is going to... Um, it's going to be as powerful as actual meaningful connection. And that, that can be digitally done, having those meaningful conversations. But I think the problem is that there is like this faulty sense of connection through Snapchat or texting and you're like not even writing in full sentences. And I, I remember even um, from my own family experience, like I have younger brothers that grew up in that generation. And I, I, I remember my stepmom saying like, it's amazing the the different conversations that they're willing to have because they're not saying it to their face. Right. So there's like, they were more bold or more brave to say things like, I love you or whatever. Whereas if that were done in an, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have the same bravery. So I think there's this faulty sense of connection in, in, in the digital world that is actually harmful because it's not meaningful connection. So it, that, you have to be careful there is some really good research too on, on like peer facilitated online groups, group support in terms of healing, right? So obviously there is technology with that. It just is how you, I guess you have to have some discernment of how and when you're using that and, and the type of connection. So I think it's about teaching our younger population about what meaningful connection is. And we do that by leading by example, right? Making sure yeah. that you are prioritizing connection around the dinner table or however that looks, right? So that there is some way to distinguish between faulty connection through digital versus meaningful. Yes. Well, and I think you can do that in person, right? Like you can yeah. talk to someone about the weather or how do they get their stainless steel pots clean, or you can, you know, have more connected conversations. And I think that's the same digitally. You can have profound conversations digitally, but often, you know, they're pictures of your whatever. Yeah. Maybe we run the risk of it being slightly easier in the digital space, right? Like yeah. of being more superficial. Yeah. Like I had a, one last stat for, I don't know, you probably know this one too, but I was doing a talk on the immune system the other day. Um, and uh, I, I was looking at a study that, that basically showed that people who were more isolated and lonely had lower antibody response to the flu shot. Yeah. So, you know, bring on the COVID vaccine and a slew of people who are lonely, how well is that going to go? Yeah, you're, and I didn't know that. That's fascinating. But I did know that your, your innate immune response lowers when you're isolated because your body, like it's, it's not useful. Like your body's yeah. so yeah. smart, you don't need it. Yeah, yeah you're not a threat. So uh, yeah, so that's, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. 
and depressing. <laughs> yeah. COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All yeah. right. How so- do people find how do people find Wild Collective? I want to know how people find. I, I guess not men, but I want to know how. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There okay. Um can I give you guys like I know this doesn't translate well, but I'm going to give your listeners a warning. Can you write down a phone number? Cause then you can download this document that will like put us, there are many ways. Okay. So if you go to michelleparis.com, mm-hmm. it's still called what rebel tribe there. So if this airs soon, it, you just click rebel tribe. We are now the wild collective. You can join the wait list there and I'll give you this. Sorry. We're going off the cuff. It'll take me to, Oh, I turned off my phone. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Um, and while you're looking for that, um, yeah. you, our listeners need to check out, uh, your amazing podcast, um, called rebel talk. I had a girlfriend the other day, send me a link. She's like, you have got to check out this girl. This podcast is amazing. I love it. And I texted back and I said, yeah, check out episode number. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently there's a cool ND on that one. <laughs> Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I thought that was lovely. That but, is uh, really lovely. Yeah, great podcast. So funny, uh, though, that she didn't know her. You guys can no. talk later. <laughs> we will. Uh, okay, if, if they want to text the word poppy to 647-558-9895, we have like a downloadable document and then it will put you into our... Um, newsletter so that we can contact individuals about the wild collective we won't spam you only high quality information over there but um tech there you know this has been good for for outsourcing that and getting getting more savvy fantastic well thank you so much i think anyone listening will understand and hopefully understand um why you're so passionate because this is important and these are important conversations to have when it comes to health and medicine and just being good people in the world. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah. All right. We will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.